Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It is alive and powerful. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, God. It's able to read the intents and thoughts of our hearts, God. Open our hearts before you, Lord. Let them be honest as we hear your word, God. Help us to respond rightly to you, Lord. We don't want to be carnal Christians, Lord. Help us to walk in the Spirit and help us to see how that happens, Lord. Enable us, Lord. We've given us the Holy Spirit. Help us to walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever wondered what your purpose on this earth is? Why we are here? I remember as a young child, I looked for truth in a lot of different places, but never really found it until uh, my brother spoke to me personally about Jesus Christ. We attended a church. We heard about God. We stood up and kneeled down and all kinds of things that we did, but I never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what is the calling to us as a believer in Jesus Christ? What is he calling us to? And a few scriptures that have helped me through the years as I walk with the Lord. One of them is from Genesis. And so God created man in his own image. And he created male and female in his image. In Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so we're image bearers. In Colossians 1, Paul writes the scripture, says all things, including us, were created by him and for him. And so we're created in the image of God, and we're created for him. 
In the book of Revelation, chapter 4, it says that we're created for his pleasure and for his purposes. Isaiah the prophet would write that everyone that's called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. And so in the image of God, made by him and for him and his purposes and for his glory, and really the scriptures lay out everything and what we should be living for. Image bearers, called to bring him glory. And do you remember God's pursuit of you? If you're saved, how he went after you. How he never gave up until you were his. How he saved you. In the book of Song of Songs, it says, I will seek the one I love. Do you remember? I remember even in my rebellion that I was in a bar in Philadelphia and I was in a place called the newsstand and in front of me I was sitting and there was a clock that sat there and the clock said, beware for I come as a thief in the night. But even in my rebellion, God was still reaching through to me. And God has a passion for you. And he pursues you. I will seek the one I love. And do you remember your espousal to him when you gave yourself to him? Because God remembers. The prophet Jeremiah says, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. When you went after me in the wilderness... And God says, I found the one I love, and he came after you, and he loves you. In light of that, how shall we all live for him? And Paul in Galatians is going to show us two different types of lives that we can live. One in the flesh, and the other in the spirit. And he will encourage us to walk in the spirit, and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Romans he writes, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the children of God. They are the sons and the daughters. In these verses today, he's going to write, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, and to be led in the Spirit, I believe that we hear these things and we say, how? How can we do this? How can I be led by the Spirit of God? How can I live and walk in the Spirit? And we're going to look at that in Galatians chapter 5. A little background, Paul's going to deal with the law. In the book of Galatians, from beginning to end, Paul is always speaking against the law. Legalism. Judaizing teachers had come into the region of Galatia. And they were teaching a different gospel. In Galatians 1, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And they brought a false gospel, circumcision and the keeping of the law. He writes in Galatians 2, uh, this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that that they might bring us into bondage again. And the law brings bondage. And Peter, speaking in the book of Acts, and the apostles and elders spoke against the law. They had a thing called the Jerusalem Council. We're going to be covering that soon on Sunday mornings. 
Some of the sect of the Pharisees, Acts 15, who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And Peter says the Gentiles were given the Holy Spirit just like us and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. We're not under the law. We're saved by grace through faith. You know, it's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. And no one will be able to boast and stand before God and say that they've kept the law. We've received the gift. In Galatians 2, Paul would say, For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. In Galatians 3, he says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that no flesh will glory before the Lord. None will be able to say, you know, I've kept the law. I haven't sinned. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we're unable to keep the law. And the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. It brought us to the cross. And we understand that we're sinners that need a Savior. In Galatians 4, he would say, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, because of these things, he's saying, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And Paul in chapter 5 now, where we're going, is saying, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. The law brings death, and Paul is saying, why would you want to entangle yourself with that type of bondage now? Galatians 5, verse 4, he says, You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So estranged from Christ, it means to be separated from him. If you attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen out of God's grace. Paul would write in Romans that we're justified by faith in Christ alone. His finished work at the cross for our sins. And that's the gospel. It's a good news because all of us are sinners, right? We've all broken the law and the commands of God. The good news is that Christ came to die for us. And Jesus Christ is that Savior that we needed. And he paid our debt, a debt that we could never pay. And Jesus did what the law could never do. And that was to change our hearts. In Ezekiel, the scripture says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so Jesus took the hearts of stone that we had within us and gave us hearts of flesh. And he gave us hearts that were bent toward him. And I'm not saying that we're never going to sin, but I'm saying our hearts are bent towards him now. 
And He placed His Spirit within us. And His Word says His Spirit within us would cause us to walk in His statutes and keep His judgments. So He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us life, and abundant life, He would say. Life in the Spirit. Something the law in our flesh could never do. In the flesh, we can never live for God, but yet sometimes that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to live for God in our flesh. But in the Spirit, we can do. And this is how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Through Christ who strengthens us, through the Spirit. Jesus would say it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so the new life in the Spirit, Paul will speak about how Christ has set us free from the bondage of the law if we walk in the Spirit. The Bible says whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so he gives a warning as we open all of that about the law just to bring us to the place where he would begin to speak about this liberty we've been given in the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And I believe that there is a portion of the church that's used this freedom that we've received from Christ as an opportunity. The liberty is an opportunity to flesh, you know, to go out and drink or to do drugs or to live in fornication. To live in compromise. You know, Christ has set me free from the law. You know, we're under grace. And uh, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So I can sin. Yet in the very next chapter of Romans, Paul says this. Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And so we live under grace. But this scripture says don't use that liberty for an opportunity for the flesh. In Romans 6 it says, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So this liberty from Christ is not a liberty to live after the flesh, right? It's not a liberty to do whatever my flesh desires. It is the liberty not to do those things which the flesh once forced me to do. The power of God that's within us. Sin is a brutal master. It ruins lives. It ruins families. And it wreaks havoc. And so God is calling us to walk in the Spirit. Jesus gives us liberty from sin, not to sin. And the evidence of the Spirit of God working in a believer is love. Love for God and love for others. Don't use your liberty as an opportunity to the flesh, he wrote. But through love, serve one another. And so love is the evidence of us walking in the Spirit. Peter writes, and above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. He would write in Peter 1.22, Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit... In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And so love your brothers and sisters fervently. A deep love, an agape love for the brethren. Love that serves, he says. Indeed and in truth, John would write. And John writes, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
And Jesus gave his life for us, right? He displayed his love on the cross, what Romans would say. Even when we were at our worst, Christ gave his life for each one of us. Love is of God, John would write, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And so, listen, like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if we could speak with the tongues of angels, if we would have give everything to the poor, if we had faith that moves mountains, and even gave our bodies to be burned but have not love, we are nothing. God is love, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the evidence of walking in the Spirit is love for others, to want to serve them and want to care for them. Verse 14, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love, again, is the fulfilling of the law. Remember how one of the lawyers challenged Jesus, tempting him, which is the greatest commandment in the law, he said. And Jesus, recorded in Matthew 22, says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so love is the fulfilling of the law. If I'm walking in the Spirit, if I'm walking in love, there can be no law to regulate my life. There doesn't have to be one, right? I'm not going to steal from someone I love. I'm not going to covet the things that they have. I'm not going to even want to murder them, hopefully, if I love them. And so love supersedes the law. It is far greater than the the law. Paul would write that the love of Christ compels me to live for him. It's not the law. Jesus said, this is how all men will know that you're mine by the love that you have for one another. This is the evidence that you belong to me. Love for him and love for others. When you walk in the Spirit, love will be the evidence. You see, laws are for unprincipled people. Paul writes in 1 Timothy, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebels and for the ungodly. The law is for the lost. To show them that they're sinners who need a Savior. That they have broken the commands of God. That they're guilty before a holy and a righteous God. They owe a debt that they can't pay and sin demands death, right? The wages of sin is death. And so because of that, sin demands that. That there's no other way out than to turn to Jesus Christ to save them. That's what the law is for. And the law is a... Good schoolmaster, it brings us to the place of death where we say sin is alive and we can do nothing about it but turn to Jesus Christ in the hope that he would save us. That's what the law does. What the law says to you as a believer is that you should love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I can remember working at a place where uh, when we go to eat lunch, we'd all sit down together. But as soon as I walked up to the table, everybody was talking about people that weren't there. (laughs) Some of the things that they were saying about them weren't very nice. But even us as Christians can do the same thing. We can gossip. We can tear down. And Paul is saying not to do that. The Holy Spirit speaking through him says, you know, you can be selfish. You can be self-seeking. 
You can gossip, you can tear down and scheme and manipulate. and Like wild animals, he's saying, we can devour one another to get what we want. And that's not love. And we are to love one another as Jesus loved us. That's the command he gave us. Love one another. Verse 16, I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If you're walking in the Spirit, again, the fruit of that is love. You don't need a law. Love fulfills the law. You won't lie or steal or covet because you love. So walk in the Spirit. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, the daughters of God, Romans 8.14. So to be led by the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and we hear that and we think, yeah, walk in the Spirit. I mean, I know when I looked at those things before, in the beginning when I was a, a new Christian, I, I said, yeah, walk in the Spirit. How do I do that? What does that look like? What does that mean, actually? And Jesus in John 14, he's going to tell us what he would give us when he left. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He said he would give us another helper, one like him. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And so Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit, the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's the one that teaches us. John 15, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And so he's our teacher. He testifies of Jesus. John 16, nevertheless I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. John 16, 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine, and declare it to you. And so the parakletos, the helper, the one that's called the succor, the consoler, the advisor, the counselor, the comforter, he's the one that is summoned and called to our side to aid us and to guide us into all truth. And these are some of the works of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. You know, in that snowstorm, I kind of, we, we spoke a bit about the Holy Spirit and the gift that we've been given. You know, now that we are able to be more than conquerors. And so we've been given the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. Now Paul is saying, now in Galatians, back to that, verse 16, he's saying, walk in that Spirit that Christ has given you. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so how do we do it? He, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians that we're spirit, soul, and body. 
made up of these three things. The verse, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are made up of these three, three things, spirit, soul, and body. The body is the flesh, this tabernacle that we have, this tent that we live in. And all of the demands that that thing makes on us, right? <laughs> the works of the flesh in the next three verses, I'm going to cover some of the things that it may lead us to do. This is not a, an extensive list, but it is a big list. Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, sexual impurities, idolatry, sorcery, which is the word pharmakia, or another word for the use of drug use, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, like when we're driving in our car and the guy cuts us off, we want to scream at the guy, uh, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, or heretical teachings, false doctrines, sometimes enticing others to follow the person rather than follow Christ. Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, you know, uh, wild parties. These are the works of the flesh. You know your flesh. The demands it makes on you to want to sin. And Paul writes in Romans, For I know in me, that's in my flesh, nothing good dwells. In his flesh nothing good dwells. We don't want to be led by the flesh or we become what's called carnal Christians. Carnal Christians, right? Of the which I tell you before, he gives a warning, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.21. Pretty strong statement. Strong language for those who want to live after the flesh. These are the things that God will exclude from his kingdom. These things are not allowed in the kingdom of God. If you want to be a subject in God's kingdom, then you cannot do these things. You cannot be ruled and dominated by your flesh. And it's not speaking about a Christian who makes a mistake or falls and comes to the Lord with their sin. But it is talking about someone who lives in habitual sin. They don't truly know Christ. They may think they've said a prayer, but they are still living in the very sin that they've always lived in. Remember the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if there is no conviction from the Holy Spirit as we're attempting to do things that break the laws of God, then we can know that we probably don't belong to Him. And those are strong statements, but that's what the Scripture's saying. I told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You may be fooling everybody else, but you're not fooling God. And so God knows those who are His, right? And that everyone that knows Him depart from iniquity, the Bible says. So, they may have said a prayer, but their hearts were not given to Christ. And though Romans 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Remember, I said that when you are his, he takes out the heart of stone, right? He puts in the heart of flesh, and then he gives you his spirit so that you can walk in his ways. That's what the scripture says in Ezekiel. And so there are false sitting in the churches. There's, there's the newsflash. Um, Jesus talked many times uh, in, in the, uh, the, the speakings that he gave, uh, the parables, and he would 
do exactly that. He would say that there's wheat and tare mixed together, right? The good fish and the bad fish, they're mixed together. The foolish and the wise versions, they're together. And so in the midst of the congregation, here's the newsflash, everyone's not saved. Everyone's not saved. Jesus said, many will come to me in the day, the day of judgment, and say, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And Paul writes, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit, right? A bad tree brings forth bad fruit. A good tree brings forth what? Good fruit. Be sure of your salvation. He says to work it out with fear and trembling. Philippians 2, 12. You're not saved by works, but examine the evidence of Christ in your life. Because salvation produces works. It produces evidence that you belong to him. There are two types of lives we can lead for Christ. One, in the flesh, we can be carnal, who lives in sin, who are led by the desires of the flesh. And Jesus said that that will profit nothing. And one life, when the world sees it, says there there goes another one of those hypocrites. That's the reason why I don't go to church. This guy says one thing, and the next thing he's in church, and next thing he's out there partying with me. And we have enough hypocrites in the world. They go to church on Sunday, but they're out drinking and drugging like the world, living with their girlfriends in fornication, professing Christ. And the other life is a life led by the Spirit of God who walks in newness of life, who is sensitive to the Lord, who desires to hear His voice, and who walks in obedience to Christ. And one life brings destruction and corruption, and the other brings glory to Jesus Christ. Don't be led by the flesh. The Spirit of God is always for the things of God. The flesh is always for the things of this world. The flesh cannot please God. And Paul writes about that in Romans 8. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. In other words, if you have not been saved, if you have not been given the Holy Spirit, then none of these things uh, appeal to you or, or, or about you because you haven't received Jesus Christ into your life. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, brothers, sisters, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if you're truly Christ's, You aren't going to lose your salvation, but you will walk in a way, if you're in the flesh, that's going to bring destruction to you. Has anybody experienced how what sin can do in your life? You know, before I came to Christ, I was a drug addict and a a drunken fool. And so because of those things, I suffered many things. Sin is a rough master. 
And it brings havoc into people's lives and families. And there is a war going on between the flesh and the spirit now within us. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, right? You know, I remember out on the, the beach we had these tug-of-wars with the kids, right? We, we have a bunch of kids on one side and a bunch of kids on the other side, and they'd be pulling against each other to see who could win. Well, that's what's going on here. The flesh and the spirit, there is a war going on between the two of them. They're contrary to one another. They're opposite of one another. They oppose one another. One wants the things of God and the other wants the things of the world. And the Lord wants us to be led by the Spirit of God that's in each of us. All of us to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ's finished work at the cross. The Bible says for us to walk worthy of the calling of Christ. So don't be a carnal Christian. Jesus certainly deserves better than that. He gave his life for each one of us. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So spirit, soul, and body is where we were. The spirit is the very thing that Christ makes alive. We're sealed into the day of redemption, it says in Ephesians. And it is holy. And it directs as God would direct. And so it is uh, as holy as it's ever going to get. The spirit that's within you. But we also have a soul. It's the Greek word psyche, right? The seat of our feelings and our desires and affections and aversions, right? Our heart and soul, your feelings, right? The world, in many cases, tells us to be led by our feelings, right? Don't they say that? You know, whatever makes you happy, you go ahead and do that, right? Or if it feels good, do it. Or how do you feel about that, they ask you all the time. You know, I don't feel like it, right? Or I feel slighted. The whole world seems to be offended about something now. But they're led by their feelings. Where I don't feel like God loves me. And there are times in our lives when we feel that. But that we would be directed to the cross in the midst of that to see that Jesus loves us and he gave his life. He displayed his love. Where I want to be happy so I'm divorcing my husband. And so we're led by feelings. You know that song that says feelings, nothing more than feelings, right? God doesn't want us to be led by our feelings or our flesh, but by his spirit. So walk in the spirit. And so there's a warfare that's going on in the life of the believer. Once the spirit has come alive, the striving for the mastery of us, right? Will we be mastered by the spirit or be mastered by the flesh? And if I'm mastered by the flesh and I have the mind of the flesh, that's my mind is constantly upon things that are fleshy, and the mind of the flesh is alienated from God. It cannot know God. The mind of the flesh is death. But if my life is dominated by the spirit and I'm sensitive to God, then I have the mind of the spirit. And I'm thinking of God, and I'm thinking about spiritual things. My affections, like Paul would write, are set on things that are above, right? where Christ is seated. And the result is a life of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. The mind of the flesh is death, right? It's corruption, but the mind of the Spirit is life and joy and peace. And so this warfare is going on. Am I going to yield to my flesh, or am I going to yield to the Spirit? And this goes on every day, in every situation, that I have a choice to make. And I could yield to my flesh. I can easily do that when I'm in my car. <laughs> when people are cutting me off, or... Not putting their turn signals on, and you have to kind of guess where they're going. And so you become angry. And I could yield to that. Or I can be slighted by someone, I want to get back at them, right? That's the flesh. 
And I can get in a fight and strive, or I can walk out to the Spirit and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me to do what is right in your eyes. Help me to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. And I can turn to the Lord for strength in the midst of that. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so the fruit of the Spirit is just, it's singular. There's only one real fruit of the Spirit, and that's love. These other words are defining what the agape love actually is. The joy of being in love. Remember that? When you first met the one that you're in love with, and that great feeling you had, we talked about the Song of Songs and that scripture, how we open up, that God is in pursuit of you, that He loves you. And so the joy of being in love and peace, I remember when I first got saved, it was more than 40 years ago, and I can still remember that day walking down the street and things were different. I realized in my heart that I wasn't an enemy of God any longer. And what a difference that is in your heart. Love is long-suffering. It's kindness. Love is kind. Goodness and meekness. Jesus would say, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Faithfulness and self-control. When you walk in love, there is no law, right? Love is much stronger. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Against love there is no law. Galatians 5.24 And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so Paul had written earlier in the Galatians, he said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, yet I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. In Romans 6, it says, Know you not that the old man was crucified with Christ? Why would we want to resurrect that old man? Therefore reckon ye yourselves to be dead with Christ, but alive unto God through him. So they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, and live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Again, we said, how do we do that? And that's where we're coming to now. And the only way that we can do that is by filling ourselves with Jesus. There are no shortcuts to this. At the feet of Jesus, like Mary. Remember how Martha got upset because she was running all around and doing all these errands and things, but Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus? You remember that? How she heard him? And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And so that we would be in his word daily. It's able to transform us. That's what Paul writes in Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed or molded into this world. He said, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's able to sanctify and set us apart. That's what Jesus said in John 17 is recorded. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so the only way that we can walk in the spirit is by abiding in him. That's why Jesus says in John 15, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, listen, you can do nothing. There aren't any shortcuts. We must abide in Jesus and he and us. And that's what he says in John 17. As he's praying before he's going to be crucified, he's thinking of us. And he says these words, 
I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, he says, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I've given them the Spirit of God, the glory, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Imagine that. That the Father would love us the way he loves Jesus. Intimacy with Christ, the glory, the Holy Spirit. Intimacy with Jesus produces Spirit-filled, Spirit-led followers. And as we close Why were the disciples so strong and steadfast and full of faith? Why were they able to be martyred for Christ? Each one of them were martyred except for John, and he was boiled in oil, but yet they still stood. They woke up with Jesus, right? They ate breakfast with Jesus by the fire, right? They walked with him all day long. They had dinner with him, and they fell asleep close to him. John writes... This is the one we heard. This is the one we've seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and our hands have handled. They gazed into the eyes of Jesus and they felt his embrace, his hugs, and they handled him. They were seated around the fire with him at night. And you can imagine the fellowship that they had together. They had deep intimacy with Jesus. And they walked in that intimacy and they walked in the Spirit. And so how about us? Are we spending time with Jesus? Deep, intimate time with Him. Are you hearing Him? Have you felt His embrace in the midst of your prayer life? He's the vine where the branches apart from Him we can do nothing. Are you apart from Him? Paul would relate or write in Galatians, For he who sows to the Spirit will love the Spirit Reap everlasting life. There are, again, no shortcuts. To walk in the Spirit, we must sow to the Spirit. We must remain in Jesus and He in us. This walk, this world, can be very hard at times. And Jesus said we would have tribulation. But He says to cleave unto Him, to hang on to Him, because He is the lover of your soul. You know, I was out walking the other, a few weeks back, it was, I guess, the first week of March, and the older I get, the more I hate winter. (laughs) And my sons, they remind me, one of them lives in San Diego, and the other one lives in Florida, and they both make fun of me as we stand here in the midst of the winter as we're freezing. And I say to myself, what am I doing here? And so I'm walking the dog, and he's shaking, and I'm freezing, and we're walking out and around the the block there and I was walking in and I'm complaining again and I'm sure the the Lord's had enough of that but uh, and then I remembered something I remembered that spring was right around the corner and here we are that spring was coming in a couple weeks and because I knew spring was coming I could bear the cold this walk with Jesus in this world can be very hard at times. But listen, Jesus is coming. And because of that believer, you can bear it. His love for you knows no bounds. He called you with loving kindness. You're the one he loves. 
Remember where we began this morning. His pursuit of you. How He saved you. How He loves you with an everlasting love. He has not forgotten you. And the one who called you is faithful and true. And so He's prepared a place for us. And He's coming to take us with Him. And you can stand fast in that, Lord, believers. You can stand fast in that He's faithful and that He's coming. And you're able to live for Him. And you're able to walk in the Spirit. And you're able to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk in the Spirit. Bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me?